0: Hey guys, how's it going? So, a little bit of an update. I have a new job. As I told you a few episodes ago, I'd gotten let go from my other job. Um, And this new job has some crazy hours here in the first few weeks. So, there's going to be a little bit of a hiatus, it feels like, because trying to get the timing down to set up interviews might be a little more difficult than it normally is. So for about three or four weeks, there might be a little bit of a hiatus with the podcast. Now, not to worry. What I'm going to do is still a play from the playbook of other podcasts, and I'm just going to re-release a few episodes. So like on this first one, I'm going to re-release the first interview I ever did, which was with my buddy Austin. Austin is a recovering uh, addict, and he's he's really doing quite well. in life. me and him have some similar experiences. Um, both, we both lost our moms at kind of a young age and in different circumstances, but it's still kind of a familiar road. Both lived in our car. We both had to kind of overcome some crippling challenges in life. And, uh, I listened to that episode again a few weeks ago and I thought this would be a good one to re-release now that the podcast has kind of grown. So I'm going to today's episode is just my interview that i did with austin which that interview is almost two years old so i need to get austin back on here and do another one with him kind of an an up-to-date one but uh i'll i'll explain again you'll hear some crinkling paper sounds at the beginning of this episode all that is is austin eating a subway sandwich because when you're recording a podcast you should always have a subway sandwich This would be so much better if I was sponsored by Subway, by the way. Anyways, um, again, this episode was recorded in June, May or June of 2019. It is with my buddy Austin Bowler. Uh, Hope you enjoy it. I'll keep you guys posted. I'll still be releasing one episode a week, but they're going to be older episodes. Um, Until I can lock down some time and kind of get... A routine going with this new position that I can lock down some interviews. So, without further ado, this is the uh, first ever interview that was played on Dramatic Comedy Podcast. This is my buddy Austin Bowler. If you enjoyed it the first time, I hope you enjoy it again.
1: The iTunes, Uh all the music, it's getting bought out by another company. Is it really? Consumed, yeah. When's that happening I don't know that's what Michael was telling me the other day
0: what is the company
1: I don't know but whatever they're doing they're consuming iTunes and two of the other big music places and I'm just like whoa how's a- that
0: gonna work I don't know
1: how does Apple I wonder if Apple owns the company too
0: but I, I would hope so like that just seems weird because mm-hmm. Apple's so such like a dominant thing right now like iTunes is like the place to go.
1: But I feel like it's the fear of like, you know how if they don't innovate, Uh it's like what happened with MySpace to Facebook, Facebook to Instagram. Yeah. I feel like it's just... They're just staying up with the times. Uh Uh-huh.
0: So, which, that's a good company that does it though. So, you have Facebook? Mm Mm-hmm. I deleted mine in 2011. Why? Um, It was like a problem for me because like that's all I'd care about is like... Facebook hits and stuff like that, but also, like, I was kind of in the middle of a breakup at the time, and so I just, like, stalked her and see what she was up to, and then she was trying to stalk me to see what I was up to, so I was just like, I'm just going to delete it, and then, I I, so I deactivated it thinking I would get back on in a few weeks, but Mm -hmm. I never missed it. I was like, oh, wow, this is, like, zero stress not having Facebook, and then it also drove her crazy because she had no idea what was going on. So, but I mean, that was 2011. So I tell people now that I'm like eight years Facebook sober. Oh my God. That's (laughs) great. Because it's.
1: Well, that makes me feel better that I'm not the only person who stalks my ex on. Well, at least that's what I used to do yeah. on Facebook. I
0: think everyone does. I'm like, what's up with that girl?
1: You know what I mean. I hope she's miserable. Good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he ain't as hot as me. Uh. Just kidding.
0: So <laughs> <laughs> with me, it was like, are you kidding me? I'm a, I'm losing to that. Like that's what. Like I'd see a picture, I'd be like, come on, he doesn't even have hair. Like, <laughs> so, like I go to bed miserable every night. And so after I deleted it, I was like, I honestly don't miss a thing. Now I will say, you find out who your friends are when you delete Facebook because when my birthday came around, there was like three people that texted me. <laughs> <laughs> and then Facebook wasn't there to remind them, so. Oh, that's funny. You grew up in St. George, right? Mm-hmm. Born and raised. Born and raised, so you're used to the heat. I love the heat. Yeah. Better than the snow. I agree, but for a while, I would have disagreed.
1: You'd rather shovel snow?
0: Well, so I grew up snowboarding and all that. And then when I came down here to go to college like 10 years ago, I realized like how cool it was to not have to worry about driving in the snow ever. And then I moved back to Salt Lake, and I drove a plow truck with my uncle. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved back here to St. George in 2016, I woke up. And I realized I'm not on call at 2 or 3 in the morning saying we have 27 lots to do before 8. Like, And then I was like, okay, this is the place to be. No more snow. Mm. If I want snow, I can drive an hour north and get it if I want it. But Hit Cedar? Hit Cedar. <laughs> it's like the only reason to ever go to
1: Cedar. What's insane is that you get three inches of snow here and everybody's wrecking their cars into the medians all over. No one knows how to drive it.
0: But it's also gone by noon. You know, like, it snowed here a couple times this last year, and by lunchtime, I was like, "There's like a puddle on the ground. Is was it. So, one time, Kristen and Gavin and I were driving back on Christmas Eve from Salt Lake, mm-hmm. and from Cedar to Leeds, it took almost two hours, because we were going like 20 miles an hour, because the snow was so packed. And the car behind us, all of a sudden, I just saw its lights, like, drift off and, like, disappear, and I was like, well, I hope someone stops for them, because I am not, <laughs> I'm not even going to try. Well, it's, it's up to someone else now. <laughs> I, they're, that's in the past. <laughs> that's in, they're probably still down in that ditch somewhere. <laughs> that was two and a half years ago, something like that.
1: It could be in your fourth step. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, mm-hmm. that's always good. Um, what was I going to ask you about? How many siblings do you have? I got a brother and a sister, but
1: I really have two sisters. Okay. My older brother Tyler's my sister, I call him Tina. That's her name.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Transitioned.
1: Yeah. He. Well, he's not really a transgender. I just okay. I just call him that
0: because <laughs> he's kind of like that. Yeah, he's my big sister.
1: <laughs> I'm the youngest, of, and my sister, my brother, then me. You're the baby. Yeah. So I get the
0: privilege of teasing both of them. Do they tease you. They try to. <laughs> you're quick, like. Even just like seeing you interact with people, you're very quick to just respond. And I think some people get tongue-tied because they think they have to be clever all the time. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, you just fire out whatever comes to your mind, and it's effective. So when you say they try to, that makes sense to me. <laughs> so. How'd your mom die? Um, if you don't mind me asking. Totally fine. That's something we have in common.
1: Um, so in 2010, uh, living at my ex's, this is July 14th, uh-huh. and uh, <clears throat> my mom... I'm in a deep slumber because obviously I'm coming down. Right. My mom was my connection, and I was waiting for her to come pick up my graduation money to go okay. pick up more dope.
0: So and she was in it, too?
1: Oh, yeah. She was my dealer, okay. uh, all that. From 13 to 18, my mom was my hook. Okay. And so um, she showed up at my ex-girlfriend's house. I ran up to the top of the cul-de-sac on Indian Hills Drive, and I handed her the 80 bucks, and I said, how long are you going to take till you get back? She's all, oh, we're just going down there and back. Which, sometimes she'd go down there and be gone for two days, and it's like, oh, she's hitting the slot machines, you know, whatever. Getting stuck on things. Well, anyways, I give her the money, and she leaves, and I wake up at, like... It was pretty early in the morning. It was, like, at 7. They were going down. I wake up, and it's, like, 6 p.m. at night, because I was in a slumber. Right. You know, I need to recover a little bit. And uh, I look at my... My phone and I look at my text message and I have like literally eighty text messages and my voicemail box was full. I didn't even read the text, I just opened my voicemail and I hear it from my now ex brother in law. Yeah. Jeremy Porter and he uh <clears throat> Hey your mom was in a car wreck, she's not doing good. Oh, Mike geez. is dead. And that's how that's how it was broke to me and I just like I sit up and I'm like, fuck. So and,
0: it wasn't like an expected thing at all. Mm mm. Oh shoot, man. That sucks.
1: So what happened, it looks like they fell asleep. He, Mike, fell asleep at the wheel going 70, as right before you enter the gorge. Okay.
0: Coming in from the other side.
1: No, going to. Going
0: to. So still, like, towards Utah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, like, you pass Black
1: Rock, uh-huh. and there's this berm on the right side. Yeah. And they were going seventy, and it, they didn't no skid marks, nothing. And rolled, it rolled about eighty feet. No, Mike was crushed by the truck. Who was the guy she was dating at the time? Amazing yeah. guy. Like I, I loved him for who he was. Yeah. And uh, especially for my mom. Yeah. She needed him. And then uh, she got ejected after they rolled eighty feet, and they found her on the other side of one of the barbed wire fences oh. out there. <clears throat> and then uh, they got. She went from. There to the hospital in St. George, the new yeah. one, and then was life after my brother went there to verify to the UMC in Vegas. Okay. And then after that, she fought for about three days and then went brain dead.
0: Yeah. So, so, did you make it down to Vegas before? Mm-hmm. Did you? I so, like, honestly, up until yesterday, I actually didn't know your mom had died. So, as soon as I heard that, I was, like, curious, just because that's something I've been through, but... It's all different because it affects you different, but like every death is different. So, mm-hmm. to say, like, my mom was sick forever and she was in the hospital bed for the last six months. Mm-hmm. So, by the time she did die, it was almost more of a relief. So, right. But, I mean, it sucks either way. Like, I was the only one at the, not at the hospital. I was at a concert and this Ooh. was back in 2003. So, not every kid had a cell phone. I was 16. And so, I was at, uh, REO, Speedwagon, Sticks, and Journey, like this total 80s, 70s rock concert. And then we got home, I, me and my cousin went. Coincidentally, my sister was going to go with me. She couldn't go, she got sick or something. None of my friends could go. So my only one who could go was my cousin, who was like another sister to me. And we got home, and I was got a message to call my dad at the hospital. I thought he was going to be pissed that I had, like, skipped school that day or something. So I was like, I'll just call him when I get home. They're like, no, you need to call him now. And then when I called, he told me that she had passed away five minutes before. Mm -hmm. So.
1: Well, and so for my outlook on it is tragedy happens. Mm -hmm. And what we choose to do with it is either going to be, like, this whole motivation and pity party for ourselves. And we can't talk about it. And. That's been one of my build biggest building blocks in recovery is the as, as much as I used to beat myself up for the fact that I gave, was the last person to see her, I gave her the gas money to go then, yada yada yada, it is somebody would have gave her the money. Yeah. She would have found the money regardless. And we don't know the what-ifs. It's kind of yeah. like with the basketball thing. We don't know the what-ifs, so just leave it the hell alone. Yeah. And that's the concept I really had to grasp to say it's not your fault she made her own decision. And once I got through that, that's when I stopped shooting up the first time. Okay. And got the job at Jiffy Lube, which that was two two 2012, so almost two years later. So she died, started, became an IV user, and then just off a whim, didn't go to jail, none of that. I just yeah. stopped. And, <clears throat> and then next thing I know, I'm working at Jiffy Lube, get an apartment, toxic relationship, back to the <laughs> IV using... You know,
0: that's that's step one in relapse is a toxic relationship. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's true. Like you can't focus on what ifs because there's no possible way to answer that. You know, okay. I yeah. mean, that was one thing like, so there's members of my family who played the what if game. Like, What if the doctors would have seen this sooner or treated this differently? Well, they didn't. Right, and you don't know how her body would have reacted to those because they a lot of things they did try. Her body just rejected what they were trying to do. They were doing what they felt was best. You can't play the what if game.
1: And it, the what I think the what if game turns into a blame game. It does. We don't want to blame ourselves, and so since I was blaming myself, I like guilt loaded myself uh-huh. instead of like blaming my mom yeah. for her you know, getting me high and all that stuff or us using drugs together. and Instead of blaming her, I blame myself. And so that, like, aha moment, so to say, when I put the needle down without having to go to drug court and stuff yeah, was monumental for me, I think, in my life in general. Like, it was probably one of the biggest things to, you know, allow me to have this life I have today.
0: Yeah. Well, and see, I've only known you for a year. And so I've known you only since you've been sober. So I don't know that Austin you tell me about about the shooting up and stuff but who you are today is obviously someone who you just have a good outlook on life like I don't look at you and be like that's a guy who just makes excuses like you're a guy who just gets things done and that's awesome thanks I appreciate it it's it's something I've like just because life's all about how you react to whatever situation and Pain is a lot of those situations, and so it's fascinating to me to see how people react to different types of pain. Mm-hmm. They can either derail, or they can fight through it, and sometimes it's a mixture of both. My problem was, so after my mom died, my first thought that came through my head when my dad told me she died was, I don't want to be one of those weird kids that parents died and he was just weird the rest of the time. Like, oh, wow. And so, I mean, this was the last week of my sophomore year of high school, and so I was like... I don't want sympathy written in my yearbook next week. What's this all going to be? Like, those were the thoughts. It wasn't anything logical. And so I just kind of buried it away. And then, like, 10 years later, I was 26. I was talking to my sister. I was driving home from work. And then somehow she just, like, pulled it out of me. And then everything that I had never dealt with came out all at once. And it was, like, all these feelings of pain and stuff that I had been scared of, Once I let them out, it was like a huge weight off my shoulders. And then I was able to kind of start moving in in my process of dealing with that aspect of it. But during that time, it also led this other addiction to lying to appear a certain way for people because you don't want to be the weird kid. So I'm lying to myself about what I'm actually feeling just so I can appear normal to people. And then that turns into other lies and other lies and other lies. And before you know it, like, I've lied to anyone and everyone, and I'm living in my car.
1: Mm, that's your winning formula was lying. You yeah. Just, that's how you were winning is... Oh, man, that's insane. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I feel for you, because when I went was working at Jiffy Lube the second time, um, I started shooting up again. But, see, I was living in my... I, like, so I, I was living with my grandma at the time, and I was doing okay. Just got out of that toxic relationship, and I was doing okay. Wasn't doing great, and then I... I told grandma, I was like, grandma, I can't do this to you anymore because I'm showing up at one o'clock in the morning, not only drunk, but I was high (laughs) as hell. Weed, meth, coke, everything, everything. any pills. Uh, I had a nice little cocktail before work is what I was doing. And I just couldn't look my grandma in the face. Like she just wanted the best for me. And so I literally packed up a duffel bag that night, a bunch of blankets and started living in my truck. Next thing I know, I'm sleeping behind Jiffy Lube on sunset in my truck uh-huh. okay just falling asleep in the parking lot and the cops can't come up and roll up on me because it's private property Ah, so I didn't know that until after the fact so I'm like as I was waiting for him to just bust me yeah you know and I had everything on me well anyways and then I got really paranoid start living in the shop and then I really fell off my rocker because I was sick of. I had a manager who he was getting, like, we were working really hard, doing really well in business. They didn't, They found a bag of dope and didn't want to fire me because it would have hurt the company. Okay. And everybody knew it was mine. And I was like, I didn't deny it. I didn't, yeah. like, say, yes, that's mine. But I didn't deny it when they said, hey, we found this. Yeah. Well, it was a week later. I said, you know what? Fuck this. I quit. Yeah. I quit. Walked out. And then ex-girlfriend that I was in a bad relationship with ends up busting out my back window, ends up busting out my side window, and I'm living in my truck, so oh. it's it went from summer, now we're in the winter time. And
0: that's freezing.
1: Yeah, and so I took scotch tape across the back of the window of my little Ford Ranger, <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> and I just tape up that, and then the side window, what did I even do? I just put like a towel up most of the time. Yeah. I put up a towel, you know, I just, I gave up on at that point trying, and then I don't know. I had a bunch of, like, I don't know all the shit that I accumulated. How? Because I didn't have any money, obviously. But I just accumulated shit in the back of my truck. <laughs> Random shit from dumpster diving uh-huh. and from <clears throat> whatever we were doing, like, trades and dope deals. And I had this, like, like you know, the boat racks that have the um, the wakeboard ties uh-huh. that come off the top of a... I had one of those somehow. <laughs> But you don't have a wakeboard? (laughs) I didn't even have a boat. (laughs) I ended up with one of those. had, like, surround sound systems that are, like, you know. just I ended up with all this shit. And then I eventually got to a place where I was tired of sleeping in the little cab of a ranger. I mean, I'm a short guy, 5'4". But laying in the cab of a ranger? That's tight. Ooh, damn. It's tight. And so I took all that shit out and was, like, leaving it places. And then I took a bunch of blankets and just made a big bed in the back, you know. was sleeping on the side of the road with blankets over me, you know.
0: Dude, yeah. I can relate because that's what I was doing. So I got to a point. So I had this job in Park City that was like ultra stressful. And when you're in that mode of either lying or whatever addiction or codependency, like stress is just going to be fuel to that fire. Mm -hmm. And I was waking up like at four in the morning having panic attacks about this job. Anyway, I actually got fired from that job because I had messed a bunch of stuff up and I had ran my mouth off to my boss. Weird. And when I got fired, it was like relieving to me. I was like... Good. And I had a pretty good 401k stacked up. And this was like in April of 2015. And I was like, okay. So I cashed out my 401k and started living off of that. And then by like the end of July, I'd already burned through it and I couldn't pay rent. And rather than get like evicted and have my credit, I just said I was moving out. What I did was essentially fit whatever I could into two suitcases that would fit in my trunk, took blankets, and then got rid of the rest, sold it, whatever. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to live in my car for a couple of weeks couple weeks turned to a couple of months and then, but anyway so that happened in July and I was already behind on my car payment by like a month and a half two months mm-hmm. and then they kept calling me saying hey where are you we need to come pick up your truck or you need to make a payment so I push it out lie 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 so then my sister and my brother-in-law and my nephews moved back to Salt Lake from Seattle and we're having this big Sunday dinner this is like a week before my birthday and I show up and everyone's happy right as my sister and my brother-in-law pull up tow truck pulls up <laughs> And somehow they had linked my name to my dad's address. And the guy goes, I'm here to pick up that Corolla. So no one knows that I'm living in my car at this point either. And the repo guy takes my truck. And so like the rest of dinner is just like painfully awkward. And even like my nephew at the time, who was only three or four, was like, Chase, where's your car? Like, it was just so awkward. So my dad like pulled me and said, like, were you living in your car? I was like, no, I'm fine. And... I was like, I'm just going to walk home, and I lived within like walking distance of home, so it wasn't unusual for me to walk. So he's like, "You're sure?" I was like, "Yeah." I walked to a friend's house and slept on her couch that night, and then I borrowed a truck from my uncle, which I basically lived in that for the next few months till I bought a new car and lived in the back of that. So I'm six three and a half, six four. <laughs> I was living in a Corolla, and then I lived in like a little Mazda in a back seat. So like, I get it's uncomfortable to lay in the back of that. But I did that for, like, a year and a half. Like, even when I moved down here, I would just go drive out to the Strip and just sleep in the Strip every night. Oh,
1: the worst thing is when you wake up and it's hot. Yeah. And you're dirty because you haven't showered. Yeah. And you're just like... And then, what, see, it's so funny. It's like... You forget that you stink, and so since you forget that you stink, you're just you're like walking in. Too. Yeah, and you're just yeah. walking in places like you're fine. You know, I was I was like a little more mindful of it because I ended up finding places like the rec center. Uh-huh. You Go pay for like the day pass you yeah. can go use the showers, or you know, my sister was amazing. She let me come over and shower. Yeah. You because know, and now we have this ongoing joke now to this day about she'll send me like a little emoji, her bid emoji with a bar of soap. Uh-huh. Instead of Fight Club, it says wash yourself. <laughs>
0: That's so great.
1: I know. So, so, like,
0: every time I go home, my parents are like, Kristen, you got chased to shower and wash his clothes. Good job. Like, you're the best <laughs> thing that's ever happened to him. So, like, my sister went, she was on to me. I didn't think they were because you think you're so good in oh, yeah. those moments, but everyone knows. And so, she'd be like, You can come wash your clothes here if you want. I was showering at a gym because the job that I got fired for, they had like a thing where you got a uh, gym membership to Vasa, mm-hmm. but it was on their corporate account. So I use that for a year and a half before they figured it out. <laughs> so I'd go shower there. And so I'd just be like, I'm going to go to the gym. And so like I'd tell people I'm going to work out, but I'd just go like sit in the hot tub and then go take a shower. Because those cold nights, you're frozen when you wake up. Mm. So I'd go unthaw in the hot tub, then I'd shower and then go look for jobs or sit and just get into a rabbit hole of like YouTube videos. and so like people thought I was on drugs because I was showing like drug behavior like I was stealing money from relatives and stuff like and all it was was this psychological thing where I've got to keep up this appearance that I've built for myself through lies and I've got to tack on more lies and then finally like I kind of got found by Kristen she get into that another time but like rather than like judging me for it she's like okay let's get you help and so she got me into the recovery program and then it was a bit of a climb out of the hole, so to say. Like, still a hole I'm probably not all the way out of because the temptation to lie immediately is always there. Mm-hmm. Like, you say something to me, I have a lie immediately for it, and I just have to be like, wait, nope, that's not true, and then react. Mm. So
1: Yeah, see, my mom, when we lived over here in Hidden Valley, uh, she was a, she's a compulsive liar, uh-huh. and the thing that really when I was younger is we had the cool hangout spot yeah. not only the hangout spot because my mom didn't give a shit but also my mom would call and excuse friends from school for us oh, at really? the time yeah. yeah you know same lady they, they at the time this is in oh, 2008 and 9 and 7 you know all the way from middle school for me so which started in 2006 I had my mom calling this Dixie High School or Snow Canyon or Pine View, the same person calling all these schools over and over again, each, sometimes multiple times a day, excusing different students, yeah. and would all go hang out at my house, you know, get drunk, yeah. you know, whatever we were doing, smoking weed, getting high, and uh, she got into this habit of, like, she never cleaned, and so we had piles of dishes, and before anybody would come over, I would I hurry would and clean them up because yeah. I had this... I had to put out an image. I was living a thug life. You know, yeah. Whatever. Well, anyways, uh, I was doing the dishes one time, and the living room over in this apartment, the island of the kitchen, faces the living, well, one of the living rooms, uh-huh. and uh, <clears throat> she was sleeping in front of the TV, and she literally just sat straight up, picked up the cup that was on one side, set it on the other side of her, and lay back down and started falling asleep, oh. and I was just like, what the hell? So says, like, Mom, 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 why did you do that? She do what? And she sits up and I was like, why'd you just put the cup from one side to the other? She started screaming at me. I didn't effing mm-hmm. move the damn cup and you need to quit lying mm-hmm. and lying. And I'm just like, and after that, like I got to this place with my mom and I was just like, if I felt like she was lying, I just let it go, Yeah, you know? And I was, the experience with a compulsive liar, you're lying just to lie. And so mm-hmm. I definitely, maybe understand it from your family's vantage point where it's like...
0: Yeah. And that's the thing is, like, in your mindset, you're such a good liar, no one's on oh, you. God. And, like, and now that it's been a while, like, talking to them, like, they'll still make fun of me. Like, like so...
1: And you enjoy it because you're smiling right now. You think it's hilarious. I think it's
0: hysterical <laughs> because my whole mindset is, if there's a target, take your shot. Obviously, I painted some big targets for myself. <laughs> so, like, there was times where I wasn't... Like, it was bad. I wasn't honest with my family, with what Chris and I. Like, I was engaged to Kristen for a while before my family even knew. And I told my family, I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to break up with her. Because in my mind, this lie I built up is that my family wasn't going to support anything I did. Mm-hmm. And so, it was none of that was true. My family was completely supportive all the way through. And looking back on it, I can see that I was just an idiot. Like, I wasn't willing to accept someone wanting to help. So, there's there's times now where my dad will be like, remember that time you were going to break up with Kristen? (laughs) Like, he just (laughs) called me out on it. I'm like, yeah, that would have been the dumbest thing ever. Throwing salt on that wound. The last time we were up there, my parents were like, you know, we kind of discouraged your guys' wedding, but because of how Chase was, had nothing to do with you. We love what you've done for Chase, and we love you for it. Like... And she had always felt that they didn't like her. And it was the complete opposite. Like, they didn't like how I was. They and wanted they to trade her for you. Oh, right, let's in take a care of <laughs> Like, my stepmom would uh, agree with you so quick. So, we got good on time? Yeah, we, we're good. Okay, so for everything that you went through, what do you take from it all now?
1: Um, hmm. it, It's the experience. Experience of it and allowing me not to uh like there's situations that arise Uh and it's not even with myself. I see situations with other people and for me it's like I feel very calm. Not saying that like I look at their situations like, oh my that's so easy, and you guys are making a big deal out of it, but calming that like when things do arise for me it's almost like to say I have experience in the sense of like it's not going to be catastrophic. Like, I know what it's like to lose my apartment. I know what it's like to lose my car. I know what mm-hmm. it's like to lose a job. I know what it's like to have family and worry about me being dead in obituary. So, like, all those <clears throat> those things have allowed me to, as I get more successful in my life, that I'm able to handle these new types of stress yeah. with a little more ease and grace than I think, you know, some people do. Because they get... I see. And this is just my perspective of what I see with people is like they start to get success and then they feel the pressure of the success, Mm -hmm. which is a very realistic thing that people create. And, um, you know, they feel I feel like for me, it's like if I don't live up to that expectation, then I'm letting everybody down. So I got to keep going, going, going. But I understand that that's not true. Yeah. Because when you're on the opposite side of the spectrum and there's no expectation and you get to where you're at today, yeah, it's more excitement. I feel like people are more cheering me on and that's the perception that I've allowed to live in my life is like cheering.
0: Well, and that's awesome that you can accept that because like a lot of people can't accept the fact that people would cheer for them because everyone's their own harshest critic. Mm. And in a lot of ways, everyone should be their own harshest critic, but... People will always say, I don't deserve this. I don't feel like I deserve that kind of support. So I'm glad that, like, you can recognize that that's a good thing. What I take from it is almost exactly what you said, is that you know when crap hits the fan, you'll be fine. There's a comedian that has this whole bit about, you know... Screwed up people, when they see crap about to hit the fan, they just step inside of the fan. <laughs> it's all the normal people who panic and, ah, and then they get sprayed <laughs> and they don't know how to handle that a toilet gets plugged up. But the rest of us are like, okay, whatever. Like, we've been through different levels of crap, but I think it makes us stronger because we know that the... Sun's gonna come up tomorrow, no matter how good of or bad experience we're having, which means you're gonna have time to fix it. And Mm. so this whole so like when I started this thing, I didn't have like a agenda of where I wanted it to go, but it's kind of built on from like how laughter's helped me move on from pain because I will laugh at horrible things because that's how I deal with it. It's my way of poking holes at something to take the fear away from it. Mm. You've been through plenty of pain clearly and you've just kind of risen above it like i've known you for a year i've never looked at you and thought that's a struggling person i think that's like the kind of attitude i would love to aspire to be you're always just like up to do anything always having fun and the f- fact that you're there from where you were is astounding to me so yeah thanks chase you appreciate welcome, bud. that. uh, wrap it up but I hope you do because then you'll have another kid. (laughs) Uh, Well played, that's a good one to end that on.